Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared White. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. So until we figure out the proper replacement, the phrase is going to have to be, praise the ring. It doesn't, praise it the ring, wear the ring. Yeah, it's, not, it's uh, not perfect, but at least it has, you know, like, we can do the ring. Uh, where, what, is, what do the symbol? old ladies tell you when they, like, want to see your fingers or whatever? Oh, that's good. They're uh, they're in the game. Yeah, they're like, let me read it. Something like that. Yeah, we need to do research, and we'll come back next week with an answer. Yeah. Um, because we can't say finger me, because obviously that's way too many implications. Uh, episode two forty two. Thank you guys for joining us once again this week. Gonna be honest, Tom. Really slow news week on the video game front. Uh, pretty incredibly slow. Uh, the bulk of our news comes from one uh, thing, which was the State of Unreal stream, which talked about Epic Games kind of talked about um, their partnerships with Unreal Engine 5 and the projects we can see from that. Uh, it's pretty much the bulk of the news. And because of that, we're going to end the show with a trivia game I made for you. So we'll see how you do on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to test out your souls born from software knowledge. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, man. You, you worried? <laughs> a, little, a little bit. We'll see. A little we'll bit. see how it goes. Uh, I don't think I made it too difficult. Uh, it'll be more based on like memory than lore diving, if that makes sense. Okay. To see okay. how well that brain of yours has held up over the years in terms of remembering stuff. Um, let's get to the quickie news. First up, the first uh, of two news stories related to that state of Unreal stream, uh, the partnership between Xbox and Epic Games. Um, so Epic noted during this stream that they have a strong relationship with Xbox. And they actually showed off that multiple first-party Xbox teams are working on Unreal Engine 5 games, um, which is slightly different than uh, Sony, who a lot of their first-party studios have their own in-studio engines, their own proprietary stuff. Um, So this is good to see for Xbox, um, because not only with all these teams using Unreal Engine 5, it makes development easier. Because multiple teams are using the same engine, they can still do the thing that's best with first parties, where... They share that knowledge between them of what they're learning, what they can, you know, the workarounds, the tricks, all of that stuff. So the studios we know so far are NXL Entertainment, obviously the RPG studio, uh, Rare, um, Undead Labs, that kind of confirms that State of Decay 3 is an Unreal Engine 5 game, um, The Initiative, Perfect Dark, obviously, uh, Double Fine, uh, which is interesting because, you know, when you talk about Unreal Engine 5 or these these type of engines, you think of like the big you know, graphic fidelity, pushing it to its limits type studios, and Double Fine doesn't make those type of games. Um, but still, if they ever do go back to Psychonauts, it's going to be nice to see that running in Unreal Engine 5. Uh, Ninja Theory, they're obviously working on Hellblade 2 and a number of other stuff. What's their V... Do you remember the name of their VR game that they're working on, Tom? Ninja Theory is doing a VR game. Maybe it's not VR, it's like augmented reality or something. Do you remember when they announced Hellblade 2? They announced that video where it looked like it was their development studio, but it actually was, like, in-engine. Do you remember that? No. Like, oh, are they just filming this vlog inside of their studio, and it turns out none of it was real? <clears throat> Can't remember the name of that game. Anyways, uh, Obsidian Entertainment, who's working on Avowed and a lot of other projects like The Outer Worlds 2. And the last one, The Coalition, who are the studio behind the Gears games. And the neat thing with The Coalition, Dom, is not only did they announce that they were using Unreal Engine 5, they were one of like the premier showcases of the development engine. They showed off a cinematic test called The Cavern. Did you have a chance to check this out? No, I, this is all good news to me because I didn't watch any of this Unreal stuff. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I mean, who? It's a very in the weeds type of stuff. And um, the, the news here to me was that all of these Xbox studios are obviously using it, and the cinematic looked cool. Uh, we kind of talked about this on Discord of like, this doesn't do anything in terms of getting hype for a project because that cinematic isn't going to be in the next Gears title, but it does showcase what the heights of this engine can do for a studio. And the coalition, obviously, with their ties to Gears of War, have been tied to Unreal Engine as well. So there's no surprise that they're one of the studios that Epic Games is like, hey, you want to put something together to showcase what you guys can do in this engine? It's really beautiful. It looks like an older Gears-type guy in a cave, obviously. Um, and the detailing in his face and the lighting and everything is absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much that with that story. Uh Obviously, there's a lot of studios there that are using Unreal. Do any of them surprise you at all, Dom, in terms of them using this you know, state-of-the-art brand-new engine from Epic? I mean, I'm not the best person to ask, but yeah, without... <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I want to hear more from different developers from different places um, with different types of experience with different engines. You know, I want to like, hear what they think of all this, because in my head... I think of um, what we talked about last week with CD Projekt, where they're using Unreal 5 for the next Witcher game, and from the sounds of it, that sounded great because because of the, the you know the state of Cyberpunk when that came out, and even and even now, even though it's in a little bit better shape, even back to the Witcher 3 um, wasn't buggy necessarily over the top, but both the games are very demanding performance wise. So you had to have you know a super powerful PC to get the same kind of output as um, <clears throat> as other games if you're using the same hardware. So a lot of that you know dependent upon like the optimization or however that stuff works. Like, um, so it's it sounds like that's going to be a big improvement for them. Now, if you were to tell me like you know, Guerrilla Games was moving away from their engine that they just designed to make Horizon, the Decima engine, I believe it's the Decima. same one they used for Death Stranding. Yeah, yeah. And so, both, like, all of those games look incredible. And that engine appears to be really good, you know, from that, <laughs> from someone who's played the games, right? So that maybe might give me a little more hesitation of, like, do we need, do they need to switch? What's the incentive here? Um, that kind of stuff. I, assume, I mean, it's, I think it's like anything when you're working on a project, you'd like to do, like, in-house um, can be cheaper in the sense that you get to keep more of the profits for yourself, but... When you know when you're buying a service or product or whatever, you're gonna you're outsourcing that basically. So it's a lot less you have to worry about more standardization. You can bring in new talent easily who has experience with that engine instead of your proprietary one. That kind of stuff. That to me, I think is probably the biggest point of where Microsoft is gonna see Xbox is gonna see a lot of gains is uh, in recruiting <laughs> because so many of their studios are using Unreal Five and. You you worry a little bit that if it becomes too much of an industry standard, you might lose some of the competition as far as... I mean, as Unreal engines, has been but... an industry standard, right, for yeah. decades at this point. And I guess yeah. to clarify, too, all of these studios aren't moving from an internal development engine yeah. to Unreal 5. A lot of them probably are moving out. from Unreal 4 to Unreal 5, yeah. right? So, um, I think the interesting thing, too, here with the list of these studios is we have some some of these studios in different places in terms of what they're going to do. So Double Fine is always going to make the the double A type of games, right? So like they're pretty games, but they're not triple A necessarily. Then you have Undead Labs, who looks like they're taking the jump from a double A game in State of Decay one and two to triple A. At least that's what kind of has been the word on that 
third game in the series is, is taking that leap to AAA. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do use an engine. And then lastly, you have people like The Coalition and Ninja Theory who are, in my opinion, masters of Unreal Engine at this point because of what they can get out of it. So I'm interested to see what, you know, what more juice they can squeeze from this. Um, it'll be interesting and to I, see what happens. I think even even those smaller games, I think, stand to gain a lot. You know, if, they, yeah. if the engine is better, you know, we should see less bugs and less time spent on optimization and performance and stuff from the developer, right? So that they can focus on, you know, actual design stuff or whatever features in the game. So I, yeah, I think like we might notice it more in those, you know, those games that are really pushing the limits of the technology like Hellblade um, and maybe some of Obsidian's RPGs or things like that. But I think there's still a lot of benefits even for those smaller games too. Yeah, I mean, so say for instance, Unreal Engine 5 was a bag of a thousand gold. You give all these studios a thousand gold not all of them are going to use all thousand gold. Not all of them are going to use it the same way. Like double yeah. fine is not going to be using it to push graphic fidelity in the same way that the coalition is like, mm -hmm. they're going to use it, like you said, for performance and stability and all of that. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's just nice to see that all these studios are working on, uh, you know, a brand new engine like this. Speaking of working with unreal engine five, we had a game announcement at this state of unreal stream. The Return of Lara Croft, the next Tomb Raider game by Crystal Dynamics, is in active development using Unreal Engine 5, and Crystal Dynamics is currently staffing up for the project, so it seems like in pre-production or very early on at the very least. We were wondering, Dom, following the, uh, the mediocre launch and follow-through with the Avengers, which I love, but I know I'm very much in the minority there, we were wondering, what is Crystal Dynamics going to do? Are they going to get bought by Microsoft? Because now they're working with the initiative on Perfect Dark. Um, oh, is Square yeah. Enix going to keep them around? What is going to happen there? And they announced this. And funny enough, when we launched this podcast was around, I believe, the launch of the... It Was it the second game or was it the third game? Uh, the I can't second. remember. I was thinking... I think, yeah, it must have been the, the second. Was it the first or the second? <laughs> I think it was the second, yeah, because we started the podcast like in 2016, 2017, 16. and the first one came out in 2015, I believe, or 14. Okay. And then the second one was 16, I think, and the last one is 18. That sounds about right. Um, I played the first one of that trilogy. I really liked it. I just never got around to the second one, and then obviously I heard not great things about the third one. I don't know if we've ever talked about your experience with that trilogy. Uh, do you have any? I think I own all of them. They... Have you completed any of them? I'm the same as you. I completed the first one, and, and it was a lot of fun. The The gameplay was really cool. Uh you know the story was kind of it was there and i know i have the second one rise of the tomb raider but i just think i started it actually like a year or two ago and just almost immediately like that the writing and the characters and the voice acting i was just like this is this feels old and it doesn't work um i don't think it's the type of game that ages well which makes me wonder what naughty dog games are going to feel like to me in the in a couple more years, but yeah, and then, speaking then of entirely dodged the the newest one. I, funny enough, I was going to bring up something with Naughty Dog is that, and you know, currently on on Twitter and social media, there's this thing of like, people are getting canceled today. What's your hottest blank take, right? What's your most cancelable take on whether it's food oh, or video yeah. games or whatever? And my take on uh, for that with video games is that I wish they could morph together all of the story narrative writing stuff of uncharted 
and bring over the Tomb Raider moment-to-moment gameplay. Because in my opinion, that's the weakest part of the Uncharted games is like the gunplay and the actual like moment-to-moment uh, gameplay of that game, whereas everything else, the set pieces, the writing, the character arcs, all that stuff is obviously top of the industry. Whereas with Tomb Raider, it seems the opposite. Like moment-to-moment, I, I really enjoyed playing that first game. I thought, you know, shooting the guns and the bow and arrows and all that stuff was really fun. It's when you get to the actual narrative of the game where it kind of falls apart. It's not like as strong. So it'd be cool if those two kind of did like a Dragon Ball Z fusion dance um, and brought those together. Yeah, I could see In it. terms of like the new the new game, I just want it to feel modernized. Um, yeah. I liked a lot of what they did with that Tomb Raider trilogy of like not necessarily making Lara Croft a sex symbol, which you don't necessarily... We're in this weird place where I think people can be overly too PC sometimes too, where it's perfectly fine for a woman to want to be sexy and be in her body and all that stuff. But like... When we're getting to the point where, you know, Lara Croft in the 90s is wearing short shirts with giant breasts and all that stuff, it's crazy. Um, and I know the, the the community had a little bit of feedback because they felt that it went too much in the other direction, um, which I'm not a part of the Tomb Raider community, so I don't know where exactly I would have any say in all of that. But in terms of the gameplay and stuff, I really hope, like you said, that they nail the writing and make the story interesting and focus on those set pieces and they don't need to make it feel like uncharted cuz it it should be its own thing but i do think it needs to feel less generic cuz i think that's one thing that that trilogy had where as cool as it looked sometimes in the trailers it still came off as like generic action game sometimes mm-hmm. you know that yeah. was i yeah i got the same kind of vibe especially yeah going into the the third one was yeah and then like we we all got you know kind of overly upset about the timed exclusivity in that uh, yeah. particular situation, more so than others, oddly enough. Weird how that is. But Well, it's because yeah. it was the third game, right? The first two weren't, and then the third game was timed exclusive. I think that's what the weird thing was. That's as opposed point. to it coming yeah. out of the gate as a timed exclusive and then kind of having that expectation. Mm-hmm. That's like a reverse point. Mass Effect in that way, right? <laughs> so that, that kind of lines up with uh, the Call of Duty and Elder Scrolls chatter lately about, well, we've been getting these games on PlayStation to, like, it's different than, you know, only doing the new franchises exclusively, I guess. It's not um, the same, though, because Xbox doesn't own Crystal Dynamics, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas, yeah. like, Xbox owns Bethesda now. <laughs> they own yeah. Activision now. So. The expectations, yeah, you know, you'd think would shift a little bit. Yeah, but as we are, gamers just continue to uh, complain about things. Next up, something that no one is complaining about. People are actually really excited about this. We got the announcement of a Max Payne 1 and 2 remake. If you're unfamiliar, Max Payne is this neo-noir action game or games uh, known for their bullet time. Um, the, the main character, Max Payne, you're like, oh, where have I seen that face before? His likeness is based off of Sam Lake, who is the lead of Remedy Games. Um, and it was actually published by Rockstar. And you're wondering, well, how are they making these remakes without Rockstar? Well, Remedy announced the project currently in its conceptual phase of development. Uh, will be funded and published entirely by Rockstar. And people are like, oh, what does that mean? Like, what what is the budget going to look like? Remedy also confirmed that the development budget is uh, typical of what their AAA projects look like. Um, so, you know, your controls and your Alan Wakes and all that stuff. Pretty cool. I have no connection to Max Payne uh, outside of hearing people on gaming podcasts throughout the years talk about how cool those games were at the time. And this is a remake that could get me into the franchise for the first time. Do you are you the same way, Dom, with Max Payne? 
Yeah, but less optimistic about the remakes. <laughs> um, okay. I think it's it's going to be a tough sell for me, but I don't know. I th- there's enough that I'm ignorant about in 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 regards to these games. So maybe maybe once I see it, I might might pique my interest a little more. But a, a single player like a action shooter. I mean, at least it's single player, right? That's a, up your alley enough. Yeah, yeah, that is, and and I like the way you know Control and Alan Wake. I like the way those games feel, the way they control, pun intended. Um, you know, the way the shooting feels and all that kind of stuff. So I think there there's some um uh what do you call it? what is an airplane takeoff on? There's some runway there runway? For, me to, yeah, <laughs> for me to potentially get into this. Um it's just it, it typically when things go into the the neo noir or like the, the, the spy stuff or the assassin stuff, um or the even like some of the gang type of stuff, I don't know, I some of those genres I start to lose, but maybe I'm maybe you're like Max Payne is none of those things, and that's where I'm like maybe I'm just ignorant. But well, I, I'm with you. I have no touchstone to the series. My optimism lies in Remedy, where they make things yeah. weird enough to get me interested. Um, so I'm gonna hold out faith that they, when they you know showcase these games, it'll get me in outside of the neo noir action stuff. Because I'm like you, where I'm not like. I'm not running to go see The Godfather or Scarface or, you know what I mean? They're just not my vibe yeah. necessarily that I'm super interested in. Um, but because Remedy's developing it, I'm, I am I have enough optimism there of, like, what's the weirdness of this? Like, what's the Remedy twist? Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, that's all the news. Like I said, not a huge news week, not a whole lot to talk about. Um, we're going to get into this trivia game. So, this trivia game is called Where Does This Soul Belong? This is part of Jared's Wild Video Game Trivia Game Show Spectacular. Write that down. Dom will need to tell me which game the following Soulsborne bosses are featured in. He only has one guess for each. Let's see how many he can get right. Is he truly the From Software fan he claims to be? Now, this includes uh, Sekiro and Demon Souls, all three Souls games, and Bloodborne and Elden Ring, okay? And, you know, I tried to find the most obscure in all of the games. Like, I'm not going to come out here with Ornstein and Smell. What game is that, Tom? You know what I mean? Sure. So, I try to be as vague as possible. Obviously, the vagueness can only go so long, especially for people like us who have played every game and, you know, really enjoy the boss fights. So, are you ready, Dom? Let's do it. Okay, no clarification needed on anything? Nah, I got this. Okay, the first one, Ruin Sentinel. Uh, Dark Souls 2. Ding, 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 that's correct. Two. Three of them, actually, in that boss fight. You fight three <laughs> Sentinels. <laughs> Leechmonger. Demon Souls. Ding, ding, ding. That was, what, your most recent before Elden Ring, right? I think... Dark Souls 2, actually, I played after. Okay. Went back to it. That's correct. You're two for two. Number three, Pinwheel. Dark Souls 1. Yep, okay. Number four, Black Knife Assassin. Uh, That's Elden Ring. We were just talking about him. Yep, four for four. The Elden Ring one was hard because I didn't want to pick a boss. I wasn't sure if you had fought or not. So I was like, right. out of the bosses I know he fought, which one is the most obscure? So you're currently four for four. In the game where there's apparently like over 100 bosses or something in Elden Ring? I, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I think it's technically like 80 some bosses. And then if you add the variations of those bosses, it balloons okay. past 100. But that I think sense. it's like 80 some unique quote unquote bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're four for four. Number five, living failures. Um, shoot. Uh, Did we stump it. him, folks? This is a good one. <laughs> uh, that's Demon Souls. Wrong. That's Bloodborne. That was what I was. I was going back and forth. So uh, the tough thing with this game too is that one thing I realized in hindsight, looking at the list of all the bosses from these games is that if you understand the theme and kind of like centralized story of each game, a lot of the bosses names are relative to that. Right. It's mm-hmm. so like a lot of bloodborne bosses has have very cosmic themed names. Um, so you kind of have to work around. So living failures, I was like, mm, maybe that'll stump him. I'm glad it did. So you're four for five. Number six, ancient wyvern. Dark souls two. Wrong. Dark Souls 3. This is the giant dragon you fall on the head of. It's the gimmick boss. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, Good call. So four for six now. Back-to-back misses after a strong start. Coming in, number seven. Old Monk. Um, Dang it. Because the, obviously the, the corrupted monk is Sekiro. But the old monk... Damn it. Remember, there's two boss fights in Sekiro with monks. Yeah, let's go with Sekiro. We'll just go with what seems right. I threw you off. Demon Souls. Because the old... What is the boss where it's actually an NPC or uh, an invader in Demon Souls? Is that the old monk? Is that what it is? I think so, yes. Okay, so that is that one. All right, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, I think the two monks in Sekiro are Corrupted Monk and then True Corrupted Monk or something like that. Uh, yeah. There's, there's the remember. big, like, ethereal white one that you fight first, and then there's the one you fight on the Koi Pond Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you're four for seven. Four and three for counting this as wins and losses. Still above 500. Number eight, Covetous Demon. Uh, Covetous Dark Souls 2. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Looks five for lot, three, or five and three. Looks a lot like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. I was going between uh, that and the Adjudicator. Funny enough, also looks like Jabba the Hutt with a yeah. gross tongue. And then, for, uh, the, for the record, that's Demon Souls, the Adjudicator. Yeah. Maybe there, there's some lineage there between the two. Uh, so you're obviously five for eight, five and three. Number nine, Old Demon King. Uh, oh, dang it. Dark Souls 2. Wrong. Dark Souls 3. One, 3? Yeah, this is the one you fight at Smoldering Lake, like the last of the Demon Kings. Okay. He's in that room with all the dead bodies. This one is tough because I know you're like, Demon King obviously is Dark Souls, but which one is yeah. it? Yeah. So uh, that was a bit, a bit of a rough one, a little bit of a troll there. So five, five for nine. Number 10, Martyr Legarius. Bloodborne. Yep. Hell of six a fight. For, six for ten. Or seven for... Wait, hold on. What are you? Uh, One, two, three, four. For three. Five for three. Five for four. Six for... Yeah, you're six for ten. 
So still, you need to get at least one of these last two to get a passing grade, I guess. Number eleven, Divine Dragon. Sekiro. Yep. Sekiro was the hardest one to find a boss for because all of them are like properly named, like mm-hmm. very specifically Japanese properly named. Yeah. And Adam, I was like, what do I pick? Because you're gonna get a guardian ape, right? That's the one that's like not specifically a, a Japanese name. So the divine dragon's the only one I could really find. Um, unfortunately, I was like, how's he gonna get this? He knows it. Cause it's like one of the most like jaw dropping boss arenas. Like the fight itself isn't too crazy, but you're in that wide open landscape with the wind and the yep. you know really cool. It's really looking. cool. Uh, so you're 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 seven out of eleven. Last one here. Ceaseless Discharge. Dark Souls 1. Yep. The cheesiest of all cheese bosses where you can have him walk off of that lava waterfall. You did pretty good. 8 for 12, which uh, is 3 for 4. So it's a 75% passing grade. C's get degrees, as they say, so it's more than acceptable enough. The ones you missed were Living Failures from Bloodborne, Ancient Wyvern from Dark Souls 3, Old Monk from Demon Souls, which I kind of led you on there. It was a little bit of a troll. And the Old Demon King, which you knew it was a Dark Souls boss. You just you had to pick which one it was. That, so many yeah. demons. That one I don't feel as bad about because in like Dark Souls 2, there's a couple lava-themed king, you know, demon-type bosses. And yep. in Dark Souls 1, well, Dark Souls 1, yeah, there's a Ceaseless dis- Discharge. Uh, then there's the two demons at the opening area. There's the one you fight when you start the game. And there's one yeah. when you come back and you break through the floor that's like down yes. below in that little The Asylum area. Demon and yeah. Oh man, what's it what's it called the second time around? Like Fire Demon, Fire Sage or something. No, that's the one later, actually. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, that was a fun game. Uh do you think is your memory stronger than you thought it was gonna be? Or once you knew it was bosses, you're like, Oh, I got this. It's cake. Yeah, you it's one of those things where you think you feel good about it. But you for, kind of forget like some of the lesser known bosses, like in a lot of these games that, like, you know, the opposite of what we've talked about, Ornstein and Smile. There's a lot of other ones. Living failures. I wish I would have. I wish I would have got. I can't even yeah. picture what they look like. I so I'd be real bad at Dark Souls too, because that's a game I don't remember the most. It's kind of the one I've spent the least time with, both playing and then like watching people play. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played Bloodborne yet, so. I think if they were the cosmic named ones, I can kind of pull them out of the bag of like, that sounds like something in Bloodborne. Um, but yeah, you you did really good. I, I was expecting you to get at least half of them and you exceeded those expectations. So that's that. This has been Where Does This Soul Belong? Tune in next my... time for another exciting episode of Jared's Wild Video Game Trivia Game Show Spectacular. <laughs> Mouthful. That is my kind of trivia. Uh, in terms of what we've been playing, uh, Elden Ring checkup, I am 40 hours in, level 72, just doing my thing. I don't want to really speak much outside of that. Uh, what else? Oh, I hopped into MLB The Show 22, which launched oh, nice. into Game Pass. Obviously, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I like, now that it's essentially free through Game Pass, I like to hop in and play, uh, you know, hit a couple dingers, as the kids say these days. <laughs> um. Outside of that, playing more Coromon, dabbled with Fortnite now that there's a... Have you heard of this no-building mode, Dom? Yeah, what is it, though? I've just heard it mentioned, but I don't understand it. 
So it's literally like you'd play Fortnite any other time where like you have access to the quests and the battle pass and the weapons and all of that stuff. It just literally no one can build. So you don't have these like eight year old kids going ham building these mega structures in a second. And it kind of reduces it to focus on the gunplay, which depending on if you like or dislike the gunplay in Fortnite yeah. is either a great thing or a bad thing. I don't think it's the best gunplay ever in a video game, but I think it's serviceable enough. And Fortnite has always been more of an experience than a competitive thing for me. Like I just like hopping in, checking out what's going on, doing the quests, all that stuff. And it's not me going in there like, I need to drop X amount of kills. Whereas like when I hop into, which I haven't played in over a year, like Call of Duty Warzone or something, that's much more a competitive venture for me. So I just have fun with Fortnite, but I'm decent enough that I like that it comes down to gameplay and I, my match just doesn't get wiped because I don't know how to build. So I like it. And it's going to be a permanent mode now too, which is cool. Um, so. I wonder Other if it that, would make it kind of boring, like with the maps being... I, I mean, I only saw Fortnite like what, five years ago or something for a couple hours with some friends once. Um, but I just imagine like the maps being really big and flat and kind of boring, uh, at least without No, building. there's so many points of interest, so many okay. things going on. Yeah. Okay. They've added tanks to the game that you can drive around. There's airships that you can fly up into and check. There's so much going on. Like okay. the maps are anything okay. but boring. There's, there's a point of interest. They kind of design it like an open world game in a weird way uh, where like everything is close enough and far enough to way to make it interesting. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not barren. It's what you're thinking of more closely is like PUBG, which I haven't played PUBG like in three years. So I don't know if they've changed that, but that was very much baseline. Let me copy this building, move it over, paste it there. You know what I mean? Obviously it's not that simple, but. Yeah, Fortnite is. And then they update the map all the time where there's always new locations. They remix locations, all of that stuff. So okay. having a well, blast that with cool. that. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. If you, either, if you like Fortnite, it's cool. If not, it, I totally get it. It's just the no building thing kind of adds. Maybe not adds. It reduces the level of annoyance yeah. in it. You know what I mean? So. It's like deconstructed. Like when they say there's a deconstructed meal. Like, well, just construct it, though. <laughs> yeah getting too uppity and fancy there um other than that is there anything else i wanted to mention oh i bought myself a new lego set i i like building Ooh. lego and i saw you know with uh recently seeing spider-man for the first time i was in that spider-man hype mode and they had a, a cool little here's a weird thing it was branded as spider-man no way home but it was a little set where you got to build nick fury spider-man and mysterio as minifigs and Mysterio's drone, but it was, but it's a No Way Home set, and Sounds it's like a obviously that's all set. from Far From Home. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very <laughs> weird. The Mysterio uh, minifig is cool, Don, because the actual head on the minifig is like blue with no facial marks, and then there's like this like opaque blue dome you put on top. It looks really cool for like a minifig of Mysterio. It looks really dope, uh, and then obviously the Spider-Man minifig too is neat looking with his red and black suit other yeah. than that man i don't have anything else to note like i said elden ring 40 hours in level 72 i guess you could start there too with your elden ring update of where you are exactly in terms of level and hours so i'm uh level 96 or 97 okay. something around there um i'm up to like 60 hours uh and it it doesn't stop getting 
bigger. It's crazy. Can't. <laughs> I'll say it every week. Apparently, like, wait. I think I gotta think I'm like maybe two thirds of the way through. Maybe, maybe still less than that. If there's just the way compared to so if you look if you think back to Elder Scrolls Skyrim, you start and you see the whole world. Like if you open the map, you can just see oh, and then you get an immediate sense of scale as far as how big you are, how big each town is in the in the context of the whole world and everywhere you can go. But Elden Ring is. I think that one of the coolest things it does is is not that, but it it's where it it progresses as it shows you how big the world is, like as you play the game. Because I'm now finding I'm still like you know continue to find huge portions of the map, sixty hours in, right? Where you get that that sense of like that you know that Fallout Three sense of like oh crap, there's so much to do here. I can't wait to go look around this place now and get into every nook and cranny. Um instead of just kind of throwing you in you know Skyrim or Breath of the Wild style Elden Ring like has a really cool way of expanding the world as you're playing it so it and I think in a way it kind of maybe uh, reduces the feeling of being overwhelmed because you're getting it as you're playing instead of just from the start being like here's this giant place you know even though it is even just that first area is pretty giant itself but yeah so that's that's what I'll add um, without you know without getting into specifics about you know bosses I've taken down and things like that. But I'm just it's it's still great. Like I still can't stop playing it, um, and I I can't really picture stopping playing it anytime soon. Even though yeah. even though that Lego Star- Skywalker Saga just came out and oh man it is pulling me. It is just it just keeps looking at me and winking like you know you want to play with this. Come on man. Funny enough, I bought that game and I played an hour and I completely <sighs> forgot to mention it. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I, having a blast with it. Uh, I needed something that was like a palate cleanser that was like more joyful and fun just to play on the side. And I've been hopping, like, as you've noticed the last couple of weeks, my main thread is like out playing Elden Ring and then I'm like dabbling in all these other games on the side. Just like mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to, I don't think I will get burnout with Elden Ring, but I'm just kind of future proofing myself for that. Uh, for me, I guess I'll go a little bit deeper for, since you did too, uh, I, beforehand I've explored a little bit of Kaelid in terms of like the places that I got teleported. I, I fought the blood loss minor Erd tree. I met the giant or he doesn't talk, but like, you know, the giant like pot person, like God or whatever they call it. Um, but I haven't, I hadn't really explored there. So recently I went back to the church of, I don't know, whatever the church is that's on fire right near the beginning of Kaelid mm-hmm. went up to like the firewall saw those giant freaky crow things and sat at the side of grace before that. The only reason I'm going here now to explore is because I got stonewalled in two other areas where it's very clear I'm under leveled and I'll tell you them as I'll, I'll do it vague. And then you tell me if you're familiar and then I'll get a little bit more detailed. So the first one is going up to volcano manor. I came across this giant crater or volcano and there's a boss in it. That's like a black bull type boss. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm willing to guess you're underleveled. I'm just getting there now. <clears throat> Actually, I'm not even quite that far. I'm still climbing the mountain. Um, but yeah, you might be a, a tad I minute mean, out of your depth. But I might be overleveled a little bit too. That's what I'm wondering, uh, especially lately. But yeah, 
Well, yeah, because going up that area, I didn't have any trouble with the 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 enemies. Real, I mean, I had trouble. They're not like super easy, but like I wasn't clearly under leveled. And then once I got to the side of grace, right below you fight that boss, uh, I went up there and I was very clearly like, oh, I'm not doing any damage at all. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Uh, and then the other place I got stonewalled was, so this is interesting. Um, the capital, you know how like there's the outer wall and then there's the inner wall to the capital and then there's the actual capital you can get to, right? So I had heard people say that in order to get inside the that first wall of the capital, you had to fight two tree sentinels, right? That stood at the entrance of it. Or you could just walk past them. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even see them until later. So the way I actually came in is I came through the north. I fought like a bunch of undead villagers, went to this undead village where you fight a boss that is like in all white. I don't know if you fought him or not. Uh, are the villagers dancing and singing? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that place, I, I actually wanted to mention that place because I just came across it recently, creepy as hell. Felt like yeah, Midsommar, um, that kind of thing. And then that boss, that was the same boss. So it's it's a copy of the one I told you about that kind of looks like a male genitalia. <laughs> and, oh, so he's named, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, yeah, but in this setting, it's it, it's actually less so. When I first fought one of those guys, it was in a tan room, tan floors and walls, and that kind of. I think oh, his God. costume was more tan too. I don't know. <laughs> the phallic misery or whatever yeah. he was called. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, that boss is cool. He drops like the Godskin Pillar, which is like a horrifying name for a weapon when you start to think about it. So yeah. Um. What was I saying? Oh, so I went up through there, and then I went north, and I basically got, like, the back end entrance to that first wall uh, where you there's, like, a side of grace, and you meet one of those finger ladies that tells you to see her fingers. Then you go down the stairs, and the gargoyle comes in, right? Which, that's another point where it was very clearly I was underleveled because I was doing no damage to that gargoyle. So then I go down the stairs, get the uh, the map at the little thingy, and then obviously there's, like, a gold tree there with the side of grace. Sit there. I'm like, oh, what's down this area where this entrance is? Go out there, see both tree sentinels, try to fight them. Very clearly not high enough level to fight those dudes. Like, it's not even close. So I got stonewalled at the Capitol. I got stonewalled at Volcano Manor. I was like, I don't know what to do. And this is not the bad part of a game like this, but it's just one of the more frustrating parts of, like, you have to experiment and figure out where you're, quote, unquote, supposed to go. So it's very clearly, I'm not supposed to be at Volcano Manor. Very clearly not supposed to be at the Capitol yet. I was like, what do I have left, really? I guess I'll go to Kaled then, I guess? So then that's where I am now. Yeah, Kaled is a weird area because there were times where I felt like overleveled for other parts of the game, but then Kaled is just always difficult, it seems like, no matter what. When I come, you know, when I first go over there at level 30 or 40, it's like, no, like those dinosaur dudes kill me in one hit. I'm like, I'm out of here. There's like 50 dragons just chilling. Um, oh, so, oh, never mind. I won't spoil it. Um, I haven't gone to the area at all. Like, I've literally just went to that that side of Grace where you see the ugly ass crows. Okay, yeah, I would. You probably should just spend more time just digging around Caleb. Did you go to like the castle in the south? Area? I haven't oh. done any of Caleb. Like I said, I'm just at that okay. the side of Grace. So. 
there's the the church that's on fire, and then you walk up and it's like Kalid, and then there's a side of grace where you stare at those ugly. I'm gonna keep mentioning it because they're disgusting. They're ugly yeah. giant crows. I haven't explored any of it. I mean, outside of like the teleportation spots, right? Where like it's inside like a crystal cave or something. Speaking of, you know the church or building or whatever you get uh, teleported to on the far east, where there's like the beast man in there, and he can you can give him those collectible items. Yes. Yep. Have you gone back there at all? Uh, yeah. Do you want me to tell you what happened? He attacked me. Yeah, me too. I was, he scared the hell out of me because I, I was about to bring him some more death marks or whatever they are. I think I'm gonna get some more spells, and all of a sudden the dude just mauls me, two hits, and I'm gone. I don't even know what happened. The crazy thing with him is his aggro is wild. So mm-hmm. I couldn't fast travel. So I left that building and I started skirting around the edge because I didn't want to fight anything in this area because I was clearly underleveled. And I had to go a pretty reasonable distance before the boss music stopped playing and I could actually fast travel somewhere else. It was ridiculous. And we made yeah. him. We made the monster because we gave him those things and he got corrupted because he screams. He's like, I need more. Feed me. Feed me. So it's like. We did it to him. It's our. I fault. figured that was part of it. I figured. I thought I didn't give him <laughs> enough. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder what good... the trigger is because it has to be some type of boss or progression where it triggers it. Probably. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's a good example of what I was about to say. Was so there's that big gargoyle right outside that temple that we're just talking about, right? Like the big black gargoyle boss. Yeah. Um, and I fought him like. The sec- like the second or third time I came back around and tried to fight him and he killed me in two hits but I kill him in I don't know like six hits you know so I was doing great damage on him that's what that's what I've realized I've built my character to be very glass cannon ish so I'm really <laughs> really high intelligence and I have this great katana that's you know S scales on intelligence which is a lot of fun um, but I don't have that's why I've started investing more in Vigor, because I'm like, I do a ton of damage to dudes, but I die quick, and I, I don't have enough endurance to wear, like, the heavier armor, though I don't think the armor was going to help you that much anyway, but yeah, so it can sometimes be hard to tell if I'm overleveled or underleveled, just because I got killed really fast while I'm just playing, like, a high-risk, high-reward kind of build, apparently. I got two questions for you. One, what are the point of the rune arcs? I haven't used them because I'm worried that they're, like, a very useful item and i don't want to waste them yeah no that's good because you should know so that yeah sell them like they're they're rare they're a delicacy (laughs) so you activated the i forget what it's called after you beat godric you can walk up to that tower right and activate his i think it might just also be called his rune arc i'm not sure but to actually activate the features uh, the enhancements that that has you have to consume a rune arc and then it'll Oh, so when, when you, you equip die, it, yeah. because there's those those buildings you go to and you you like unlock the Great Ruins ability. Great Ruins, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have to like unlock it in the in the towers. Mm-hmm. But in order for it to be active, you have to use a rune arc. So they're like embers yeah. in Dark Souls three. Yeah, exactly. So it got it. Okay. Yeah, temporarily does whatever that Great Rune does. So yeah, Godric's like bumps buff bumps up your health and stamina and some other stuff or whatever. Um, Renala's does something else and so on. So yeah, they're, they are 
I, I've, but that, that's what I was saying last week is I've stashed away so many because I'm so scared to use them. Now I've got like almost 30 and I need to actually use them when I'm in a tough spot because they're super helpful. My second question, I'm at the part where uh, Ronnie is asleep in her tower, okay? And I last place I saw Blade was down below a seal for a river waiting to for me to go back and talk to the wizard dude. And now I can't find Blade. So I would like to know from you, because I've looked in a bunch of locations. Do you know where he is next? And if so, where is that? I'm willing to hear it. I don't, I'm cool with it being spoiled. I want to go meet up with him again. What have you done quest-wise for that witch? Uh, she told me to go down to Seofra River mm-hmm. to help Blade out. I went down there. Blade is like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Uh, maybe yeah. go back and talk to the wizard guy. I'm going back and talk to the wizard guy. And he's like, you know, what's something about the city, yada, yada, yada. Then I go back to Seofra River, light all the bonfires, and I fight the ethereal deer boss. And then now Blade is gone, and I don't know where he is. So you'll have to... That's interesting. How did you... You'll have to go to the castle in Kaled, down in the south part of it, and you'll do some stuff in there, and that's where you'll fight Radon, that boss. And okay, and I'm assuming Blade is around there. Yeah, so he'll, he should be down there, and he'll help you with that. And uh, It's actually pretty cool what else happens, so I, I won't entirely spoil okay. it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a cool fight in general for a lot of reasons. So I would say... Yeah, I mean, you should have... I fought that guy at a lower level, and it wasn't too bad. A lot of people apparently have trouble with him, but it's easily... So I'm on the right track being in Kaled right now is what you're saying, which is yeah. okay. Yeah, because uh, just just do that and then go from there. Um, I, okay. I could... There's a lot that happens in this quest line. That's enough for me. I just need to know yeah. that I'm going in the right direction, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? I think that's pretty much it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention outside of your dark, uh, I was going to say dark souls, your Elden Ring exploits? Anything else to mention? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're we're poised. It's it's a little, um, although the movie is still is in theaters, I feel like we're due for like it can, a five-hour podcast just spoiling No Way Home. Um, oh, <laughs> we should record that in the coming weeks. I'd be down for that. Yeah, Maybe I can find a third to join us and talk about it. So much that uh, uh, that I never mentioned, even in our, our chats and stuff, because I didn't want to spoil it until you saw it. And now it's so far past it. But, yeah. It's always Could worth it. Could be fun. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, oh, uh, real quick before we get off. Uh, maybe I'll just tell you that off the show. It's not that. It's not gaming related, so it's not that important. Um. Well, then, if you go on to YouTube, search Controlled Interest will pop right up. Uh, subscribe so you never miss the podcast when it goes live in video form. Like the video if you enjoy the podcast. Dislike it if you don't. Leave us a comment. Who's been your favorite uh, secret NPC or boss that you've seen in Elden Ring? If you're not playing Elden Ring, what game are you playing right now? And is it is it a good time? Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Jared Weich. That's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Dom is at Dom Kenobi, but the O in Obi is the letters... The number zero, not the letter O. Uh, I had to think about that. 
collectively, we're at Controlled Interest, which is at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. It's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, leave us a review. It definitely helps on Apple as well. Um, and that is pretty much it as we inch ever closer to, I think, episode 250, Dom, is going to be right before, quote, unquote, E3. So, like, the Keeley nice. event stuff, obviously, now that we don't have E3. So, that'll be cool. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next time. See you on the flip-flop.